0: There's a man going around taking names, and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Stuff Podcast with Jonathan Lack and Sean Chapman. We are here as always to talk about stuff. This week on the show we are going to be doing two separate episodes. Yes, we are. Not sure how we're releasing them yet. You guys will know because you're listening to it, but um, this one will probably be the second episode, but we'll, we're recording it first. We'll figure it out later.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter.
0: We're just going to talk about a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happened this week, like uh-huh. an, an unholy amount of stuff. Yeah. And we don't even talk politics, so like we don't even have to get into that, which is crazy. Yeah, but no, we uh, this episode is going to be focused on the movie Logan, the final Wolverine film for Mister Hugh Jackman, and uh, great movie, right? Oh, fantastic movie, yeah, fantastic movie. We will get into it. I, I have one ra- might
1: call it an excellent movie.
0: There we go. Um, <laughs> I have rarely been so um, eager to talk about a film on this podcast because I think that's a movie that you need to talk about. Yeah. In some ways just be I was saying this before we went on air, like I need to talk about it like I need to go to a therapist. Like that movie worked me over.
1: Yeah. In some heavy
0: ways. And we will talk about it in depth in a little bit. That's gonna be the focus of this episode. The other episode, which you can listen to probably right now if you haven't gone over to it, we are going to be talking about more video game stuff because you've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes I have. Big PS four exclusive for the for the month, the season for the moment. Yeah. And uh, how is it? Uh, it's a really fucking good game. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more in the other show. And I have been playing the Nintendo Switch, which mostly means playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And uh, holy fucking shit. Yeah. You'll hear about that. I'm sure we will. Motherfucker. That's a. I I love all of it. Oh my God. I don't even want to get into it right now. So that's in the other episode, video game focused episode, this is a movie focused episode. Sean, do you have any other like movie TV stuff you wanted to talk about since this is the movie episode before we um, jump into Logan?
1: I, I finished season two of Twin Peaks, I haven't watched okay. the movie yet, but season two of Twin Peaks is, it is not a, like, a great season of television, but it is a very entertaining season of television. It, it, it has its moments. That yeah. finale. That, that finale is really good, although I do think it goes maybe a bit too far with, like, not necessarily with, like, what happens in the, like, the weird shit, but, like, how they present the weird shit as too much, like, it's, this was all happening in a, literally another dimension. I feel like it's a bit too on the nose with that stuff. I wish it, it obscured some of that, but in general, I really liked it. It's, it's a weird case where the
0: finale of Twin Peaks is a david lynch episode and it's very lynchian but there's also things he couldn't quite steer away from you know yeah and i think like the lingering things from the back half of season two still don't work in the finale all that well but the like pure lynch stuff i i i cannot believe that episode exists
1: yeah as a thing that
0: aired on american tv in 1992 or something It, it is
1: one of the most ridiculous like final 15 minutes of any tv episode i've ever seen that's for sure yeah uh anyway so cool uh anything else um, I don't know there's been like some like a, a stock of trailers came out I don't know if any of those we need to really talk about that much because I like the new Alien Covenant one came out and I it was, didn't watch like, it. it like it was in front of my screening of Logan I was like uh, they show the alien way too much in that trailer which okay. like, kind of disinterested me immediately in it because it's like just you shouldn't do that Like And if they're showing it That much in the trailer It feels like That's probably going to be More or less The movie is going to have A lot of like Alien in your face And kind of more action-y stuff Which is what the trailer Kind of felt like Yeah
0: yeah so I, yeah I, I haven't seen that i did see the ghost in the shell trailer you were talking about yeah that has I, like
1: that is like a trailer for two different movies like the first half of the trailer is like this is the movie that was in the first trailer and then the second half is like and now I'm like oh what path I passed and i had a family it's like yeah. what
0: the story stuff in that trailer made me roll my eyes the visuals continue to look amazing so who knows yeah we'll see when that comes out um what else i, I can't think of what other big trailers were there
1: um, there is the Deadpool two thing that's we'll uh, talk was about from that
0: Logan. I consider that like a spoiler, although I guess at this point it's gone onto the internet. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it's out there. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, so I don't think there's a lot of stuff like I, I yeah I haven't been watching any like new TV at the moment, although I really need to watch Legion, the FX show that's sort of in yeah, the i heard it's really good. It's I'm sure it's great. It's from the creator of Fargo, the the oh, TV okay, seri- yeah. series, and he's a genius. So yeah, can't wait to see that. And uh, it feels like very serendipitous that it's coming at the same moment as logan because what i understand of legion is it kind of breaks the rules the same way logan breaks every goddamn rule under the sun so let's just jump into it logan um really quick it opens with the surprise deadpool 2 teaser at least when i saw i saw movie thursday night and that had not leaked yet so i had no idea what that was i thought the movie was starting and it was very effective in making me laugh great use of the superman theme for a joke any other thoughts on
1: that I, I actually didn't like it that much and part of it is I knew it was there in front of it so it wasn't necessarily a surprise so I hadn't seen it online. I just knew that it was going to be there. and I think like it's it's, it's fuck it whatever it's like a two minute teaser thing but but it was like really effective when they just let Ryan Reynolds be funny and I thought like the visual comedy was not that great in the teaser of like like okay. the the way it like held on the shot of him tra- changing in the phone booth was just like there's so much more you could do to make this really funny, and it was like the easiest version of that joke they could have gone for.
0: See, I thought it, it to me it operated under the uh, occasional Family Guy principle of it got funnier to me like the more they held on it in in a stupid way, and they let the Superman theme go. But I mean, it was obviously yeah. it's something they shot in like a day for yeah, just yeah. a laugh, and I was fine with that. But you know, I it reminded me of how much I love Ryan Reynolds in that role. Yeah, and I, I look forward to more of him doing that. So for sure, yeah. The next Deadpool movie, directed by the co-director of John Wick, right? Yes. Fucking cool. This is
1: weird. It's weird and appropriate. Yeah, but like, I mean,
0: those. I'm glad that the John Wick guys are like getting more work. Yeah. And John Wick Two, if you haven't seen, has been a huge success for a movie of its level. It's cool. There's actually been a lot of like sleeper hits so far this year, which is neat. And there's, to me, there's like already been more interesting movies this year, like in terms of mainstream Hollywood, than maybe there were in a lot of last year. So we're off to a good start.
1: Because it does, like, there's something about last year with movies that, like, for me, it almost didn't happen. Like, it just feels like, like, the Oscars happened and, like, half the movies at the Oscars I had never even really heard of. Like, and even, like, La La Land, I had only the vaguest impressions of what it really was. There's just something weird about, like, it completely went by me in a way that, like... I usually you know don't watch a lot of the movies that are up for the oscars but i'm at least mildly cognizant of them if like i've seen some trailers for this movie it's like i knew like what the revenant was you know like yeah. I, usually at least that level that last year was like
0: i think nope. i think 2016 part of it was that i think that was a year where video games and tv very definitively just lapped movies yeah in a way where it's like the the cultural conversation was not at cinema last year except for a couple of moments it was on tv and in games and i think that's frankly continuing in some ways this year already um although there's been some better movies so anyway let's talk about a very better movie logan um we'll get into spoilers in a minute because you definitely don't want to be spoiled on this yeah but let's talk do our spoiler free take uh we said it's great sean why is it great
1: um like a whole bunch of reasons i think it's it it feels like sort of the perfect. Wolverine movie and also like the perfect X-Men movie that it it, it takes all the sort of like things that you love about the those older X-Men movies of which is to say it takes Hugh Jackman it takes Patrick Stewart and unfortunately Ian McKellen couldn't make it so that if they had Ian McKellen in there it would have been all three of like the things you liked about the old X-Men movies and but but it has Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman playing their characters uh, of wolverine and professor x like better than they ever have and with like really fantastic writing in a really smart setting that sort of borrows and references and sort of suggests to some things you remember from some of the older movies but never is sort of like obsessed with the continuity never gets bogged down in the continuity and feels like it exists kind of above it's... any like continuity higgles one might have and it allows you to just sort of like really get into the flow of the movie and sort of accept it's like really dark violent kind of western tone that it has
0: it's completely standalone yeah like absolutely. In, in a way i wasn't expecting it, it like it's hard to even say if this is the definitive end for the character or something because this feels to me like it's one possible future but it is it is on an island yeah and as you say it it little references but it could be a sequel to any series of x-men movies yeah it is and i think What it uses more than anything is your knowledge of the relationship between Wolverine and Professor X, as played by these actors, but not like the word of it. Yeah, you know, and even the Wolverine, the 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 other James Mangold one in Japan, mostly was that way. Except X Men: The Last Stand, very definitively happened in that movie because it's all Wolverine getting over Jean Grey. Yeah, which I think works really well in that movie, but it does mean it's more tied to that continuity. This one is just it is its own thing, and that is just one of many 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 rules this movie breaks like that's the biggest takeaway for me is i just got through the credits and was sitting there with my jaw open like that's a superhero movie made by a major block studio released as a tentpole in the year 2017 yeah that's insane there is nothing about this movie that plays by the conventions of this genre
1: yeah it definitely it feels like you know James Mangold sort of like cut his teeth on the Wolverine X-Men stuff with the Wolverine movie which like is a very good movie and is now probably the second best X-Men movie that there is but it's still it has like it's rough spots it has that like really clunky third act that feels yeah. like it it exists because those movies need that kind of third act and that's like kind of what sunk the, like it didn't sink the movie but it's by far its biggest weak point point. and this feels like James Mangold like either whatever with like Fox or something was able to say like hey I can make a really fantastic Wolverine movie just let me do it and like let me make the movie I want to make and that's what this feels like is it not it's not held back by any conventions any genre tropes that it doesn't want to adopt like because it adopts way more Western genre tropes than it does like specifically superhero genre tropes and that's so perfect for this movie and specifically for the Wolverine character, yeah. I, I, honestly, I think it's more than
0: James Mangold. I think it's Hugh Jackman was doing this for seventeen years, sure. and yeah, and and he finally just said, "This is what I want to do." And the studio said, "You've given us an awful lot. Let's just do it." Yeah. And it, it paid off. I don't know if you've seen, but it's eighty-five million for the weekend. The yeah. last one, the last uh, the Wolverine in Japan one did like fifty million its first weekend. So this is way, way above the the, the last Wolverine standalone movie, way above X Men Apocalypse, like. It's it's the same thing as I think what happened with Deadpool last year, which is that the movie is what the movie needed to be and people respond to that really powerfully. Yeah. And the
1: marketing was just fantastic. Like the trailers mm-hmm. for this movie have been unbelievably good. So yeah. it's that Johnny Cash bump you. Know? That Johnny, Johnny Cash, man.
0: God, I, I when I finished the movie, you know, and I, I had kind of a long drive home, I just put on the album that Hurt and The Man Comes Around come from and yeah. I just it's it a perfect mood music to, to like decompress after this film. You know, and when we talk about it breaking rules, we'll get into, like, spoilers. But just in general, like, you talk about, like, the Western genre things it does. There's a lot of that, but it's just, like, it's the blend of genres and how few of them have any connection to superhero films as we know them in the 2000s. Yeah. Like, it's Westerns. It's also clearly indebted to this wave of post-apocalyptic fiction that I would say exists in the mold of Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Yeah. Which I think this owes the biggest debt to. But then you also have things like The Last of Us which is also kind of taken from the road and things like that. And it, you know, it, it, it expands upon that. It has so many influences but it never feels overly derivative either. And yeah. it just, every move it makes whether it's in the graphic violence whether it's in where it goes with the characters whether it's in just the general filmmaking of it that this is more of a film than any superhero movie we have had in a long time. And I don't mean to sound like a snob about that yeah. but it just mean the cinematic craft on display here and the refusal of the film i think to talk down to its audience is surprising you don't see that even in the superhero films we love it's a really rare thing you know i I think you have to go back a ways to see something that kind of went this far out on an artistic limb in terms of a mainstream superhero film this just isn't the way these movies are made and it's a great film but it's also like a profoundly surprising one on that level and i wouldn't be surprised if i've already seen on twitter some responses of like audiences who audience members who were totally unprepared for this and kind of laughed it off because it's in such a different mold than i think they would expect of a wolverine movie yeah but i think if you go in knowing what it is and you're not being like a a stupid bro about it or something it's it's gonna land really surprisingly hard
1: yeah and it is it is another piece in the like insane puzzle of just the incomprehensible X-Men film franchise at this point of like I don't think you could have two more polar opposite fucking superhero movies than X-Men Apocalypse and Logan like X-Men Apocalypse to me is like one of the most like sort of dire examples of the tropes that superhero movies have fallen into with, like, how big that movie gets and the ridiculous fucking action climax at the end of that movie that's way too big, like, sort of eschews any character development or any interest in the characters, and it's so much CGI on the screen and stuff like that, and Logan is so deeply personal and, like, intelligently political and all that kind of stuff is, like, just completely different fucking, like, opposite parts of the spectrum, and it's really insane to think about the fact that Fox is making those movies and presumably is going to make another X Men movie that's a sequel to Apocalypse at some point.
0: Who knows? I it's it's a real question we're gonna have to ask at the end once we're able to do some spoiler stuff, but I really don't think after Logan you can ever go back to a normal X Men movie. At least in unless
1: you like do a hard reboot and really start this thing over. And do like an actual hard reboot this time. Right. Not the like that's kinda of half hard reboot they did with X-Men First Class.
0: Right, which has led to some big ups and some big downs, but yeah. you know, it's it's such a weird case. But you know, I it's no surprise that, you know, Deadpool and Logan are are kind of on the top of the X-Men movie pile in some ways, in part because they don't have to worry about continuity. They can just yeah. tell a story and be a movie. I mean, Deadpool worries about it to make jokes, which is great, but Logan can just be its own thing and yeah, it's so impressive. So let's get into some of the specifics. Yeah. Um, spoilers coming in three, two, one. Leave if you don't want to be spoiled. So, yes. Um, everyone you care about dies. No yeah. Matter, everyone you care about from the old movies dies. Jesus, I, uh, I don't think I ever fully understood how kids in 1986 felt after seeing Transformers, the movie.
1: Sure. Yes. This
0: is like that. Yeah. Because I realized, right, when I was sitting down for the movie, I was like, okay, last Hugh Jackman X-Men movie. Wait, Hugh Jackman started playing Wolverine in 2000. Uh I was eight. You were eight. Yes. Over two-thirds of our lives he's been playing this character. And whatever your thoughts on those movies and the the kind of varying quality of them, he and this character have left such a cultural imprint. And I have such fondness and nostalgia for this guy and this performance. And not only is this the last movie with him, but they fucking kill him and they fucking kill Professor X
1: brutally yes yeah
0: and like not only that but in the larger kind of lore of this film they kill everyone like the movie very like symbolically ends with the death of the x-men period yeah in 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 this way that like i again i don't think i was prepared for where this movie was going to go even knowing okay r-rated wolverine i'm he's gonna tear some shit up yes and he does oh yes but watching him be impaled on the log and just die just fucking die like i was 100 percent sure he was going to live in this movie because no matter how good it looked i just thought there's no way a studio superhero movie is going to let them kill hugh jackman wolverine
1: yeah especially because if there's any superhero on the planet that you can do the like oh no he's dead and then he comes back thing it's fucking Wolverine because he's got the healing shit. It's like I don't know how many fucking comic books at this point have pulled that exact same story device of like, no, he's really see, we really seriously killed him this time. See, he's like melted, and his skeleton is like on top of this thing. It's like there's no way he's coming back. And then it's like twenty issues later, it's like yeah, okay, here's Wolverine. Of course he's alive again because it's fucking Wolverine. And and there was a part of you that was thinking, oh no, if th- there's there's this small kernel of a chance that like Fox forced them to put in a scene of like the great and his hand popping up or you know the fucking Batman v Superman pebbles rising from the grave it's like nope he is straight up fucking dead and they they I feel like they do such a good job of over the course of the whole movie setting up that's like he is getting too old his healing factor is wearing him down his adamantium skeleton is starting to poison him and his healing factor can't keep up with it like he is on his last legs and it makes it believable that this guy is dying which is something I was kind of surprised at because I so roll my eyes that every single time they try to make you care about Wolverine potentially dying because it's like of course he's not gonna die he's Wolverine but this movie can do it.
0: It can do it, and frankly, I got to a point probably midway through the movie, maybe after Professor X dies, which we need to talk about in a second, but I got to a point where I was thinking, if he doesn't die, it's a cop-out. They are so yeah. setting it up. But I was still thinking, like, I was prepared to be disappointed by the end of the movie. Like, maybe you can come up with something where, like, it's the kind of ending where he rides off into the sunset, but you know he's going to die or something. Sure, yeah. Like, he goes off with Laura, and maybe you know they're going to have some time together, but, like you can't unwind what they've done in this movie. And no, I, I, I it was deeply like disturbing and, and like scarring to watch him die, but it's the only way the movie they wrote could end. Yeah. And it feels like they did kind of work backwards from that point in the best way possible. And like just like the way it ends where his death is basically the last scene and uh-huh. then it's just the burial which is basically nonverbal. Yeah. And so it's not even like you get like a down period. He just fucking dies and we have never seen that in a mainstream like a mainstream superhero movie like this yeah like can you imagine if like one of the avengers movies
1: did this to tony stark right yeah I like couldn't... when robert downey jr is like no i'm actually i can't play this role anymore and they're just like okay fine we'll fucking put you in the ground motherfucker
0: and that like maybe they'll do something like that but i so doubt they would be able like i don't think marvel is even totally built to do that yeah which is fine i'm not complaining yeah. but it's like you just can't even begin to imagine what that would look like yeah and, you know, if you asked me back in the days of, like, X-Men The Last Stand, I wouldn't have said that either. And that's the other point, is Professor X dies in this. Yeah. Technically, it is Patrick Stewart's second on-screen death as this character, and yet that so doesn't hurt this movie yeah. in a weird way, it, partially because it's so disconnected from the continuity, but also just, like, you know, that movie, The Last Stand just killed characters left and right for shock value, and his death meant nothing in that film. Yeah, In this movie, it again, it's like... If there's a point where it's like, if Professor X doesn't die, it's kind of a weird cop-out because how would he survive this journey? And he does, and it's intensely emotional, and you're totally fine with the fact that, yes, they killed him and brought him back and never explained why, but it works. It just works.
1: Yeah. And it is like the, the whole... Professor X's whole arc in this movie is like the most heartbreaking thing <laughs> by far I've ever seen in a superhero movie because it's I, it's just... You know, he he's just too old, and there's something it's a really interesting story idea that probably has been done somewhere in the comics, but I've never seen it. If it has of like, what happens when someone like professor X is just, you know, he's like 90 years old. Like he, his body is breaking down. His mind doesn't work the way it used to, but he still has all of his mutant powers. And it's like, that idea is so terrifying in a number of different ways. And like the way it sort of, I think amplifies the sort of inherent ...sort of sympathetic human drama of... ...you know, someone at the end of their life... ...and, and losing faculty... ...they're losing their faculties... ...losing control over the body in different ways... ...like amplifying it with his powers... ...was really brutal... ...in some of
0: those scenes. I, I think the best action scene in the movie... ...by far is the one in Vegas... ...where mm-hmm. Wolverine... The, ...his mind goes off basically... ...and Wolverine has to get up to the suite... ...and, and save him... ...and save everyone. That one, I, like, I remember like when it ended... ...like when time goes back to normal... I just went like, oh, like I had this exhale and I thought for a second that I was being too loud and then I looked and like everyone in the theater was like just on that like exhale because you don't, it just works you over so hard and it's like it's the least graphic scene in the movie and I'm not putting down any of their action scenes, they're great, but like that one just, I've never seen something like that in a superhero movie. It really worked me over and then the other thing as you know with Professor X and this is I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter and, and I echoed this myself. It is surprising how much, I think, for anyone who's cared for a loved one as their body breaks down like that, how much that part of this movie rings true. Yeah. And if you had told me even five years ago that an X-Men movie would be able to echo that kind of thing, I would have said, you're fucking insane. They're just, yeah. They could never pull that off. And they pull it off. And, of course, their secret weapon is Patrick Stewart uh-huh. and Hugh Jackman. And Patrick Stewart, uh, he's not going to get an Oscar nomination for this. But I don't know if they're going to find a, a better field of supporting actor candidates than what he does in this movie. Because yeah. it's an amazing performance. So committed. And again, just the way he kind of brings forth that mix between you know deep-seated humanity and uh, vulnerability that happens when someone gets to that point in life. And, and then I think on, on the flip side, what Hugh Jackman does in playing off of that, uh, it's beautiful. It's tear-jerking. His last scene in this movie is just... The whole thread running through that that Wolverine wants to buy them a boat yeah. and so they can just go live like away from society and it's this one hope they have and again you can imagine like the studio mandated version of this that ends with them on the boat
1: yeah like the ending of like the theatrical ending of Blade Runner or something with them right. like on the boat in like this weird like beautiful sunset island like nothing else in the movie even looks like
0: this no and and so you know his last words being about the boat and just watching that dream die midway through the movie it's not even the end of the movie it's like midway through the movie it's again it's just it's it's a kind of emotional resonance that i think most superhero movies even
1: the best ones don't
0: go to those places
1: yeah and i just think it's something where with his whole character they leverage so perfectly the fact that like we like, whether or not you know him from the comics, like, this version, the cinematic version of that character as played by Patrick Stewart is so iconic at this point. And everyone knows what Charles Xavier is like in sort of his principles. And he's, like, such a sort of, like, pure idealistic kind of guy. And he's just so kind and sympathetic and all of those things. And there's something just so brutal about seeing that. And, like, you see glimpses of that man still in there, especially with, like, how he reacts with Laura and stuff like that. But then also there is that, like you know obviously he's in pain like in, in all that that's where he's kind of turned to this cranky ornery guy and you, you know he has reasons for that but there's there's a lot of scenes that's just kind of hard to take this like you 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 wish that he could be the dude that you saw in those older movies but obviously like that's not how that works anymore and then like in the sort of the the cherry on top of the sort of suffering Sunday that they build is that he's in some way responsible for like not only just like the deaths of a lot of people probably in that las vegas scene but then like the deaths of a lot of his mutants and stuff like that that you get like little hints of that's what what happens happened in the past and that like his powers went out of control and a lot of people died and like there was nothing anyone could do about it and he has to live with that slash has forgotten it and is remembering it like that thread is so just heartbreaking wrenching, you
0: know. It speaks to something I really want to talk about with this movie, which is how powerfully it lives in the moment of its storytelling. Yeah. But a big part of that is that you you expect with like so his tragic backstory, that's a moment that you would expect to have a much fuller exposition of. Like a full flashback scene or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or a speech about it. There's none of that. The first thing you hear about it is on a radio. Yeah. And then it gets turned off, and that's it for a while, and then he ...sort of half monologues about it... ...like around the fringes right before he dies... ...but you never get the full exposition... ...you never get a full conversation between him and Logan... ...and so you are left to really... ...live in that moment and fill in the blanks... ...and I mean this kind of on either side of the movie... ...like I love that in the end... ...you have no idea what Laura and the kids are going off to... Yeah. ...you you think that there must be something there... ...because it, they've come this far... ...and we've seen enough glimpses of this stuff... ...but you don't know, It's it's left ambiguous... ...and on the front side of the movie... All we have is that Logan's living down on the border, taking care of Professor X, kind of hiding out from the world. And then we can kind of infer things like they must have probably gone on the run after what happened at the school. And and Logan maybe is also just trying to emotionally shield Charles as much as anything so he doesn't kind of relive all this. But again, the movie refuses to sort of go further than it should in those moments and do like the full flashback or the full exposition. It just lives in the moment throughout and that's incredible that's not something major studio movies do
1: yeah and then then also to the same token is what they managed to do with wolverine and professor x's relationship of that they don't try to have like a big scene where they rehash of like this is why professor x is just this important to wolverine it's like you can infer some things from just what the movie gives you but then it also builds off of if you like remember those old movies and how much of like Right, because they do, they sort of have, you know, Patrick Stewart has a little small speech about, like, you were, like, a cage fighter when we found you, and, like, we built you up, and, like, we gave. I gave you a family, and, like, it is the, like, it is not sort of, like, trying to hammer on any sort of expositional point about that, It's just is, like, gives you this little seed to remind you, like, right, that is like what this character has gone through from being like this lone wolf in the woods like literally killing people for money like coming up now and like having cared about so much and now lost so much and how like tight knit their relationship is and just them on that road trip and you just, the way you can just feel Logan's frustration at uh, the sort of the situation that Charles is in and like what has happened to him and, and sort of being in this awkward position of having to take care of him, but also this intense sense of debt to that man that, that, that is so palpable. And it's really impressively done by doing it by doing that entirely on the actors and not relying on heavy scenes to get that across. Yeah.
0: Other than one point I want to make, like a complaint I have about some exposition in relation to the plot, and we'll talk about that in a second. The, like I said, you know, the, the, the movie, it's all showing, not telling. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that, that first rule of screenplay or of storytelling that a lot of movies get wrong, which is you show, you don't tell. Yeah. And in this movie, like, just little things like in the scene at the compound where they're being attacked, like on, in their little hut in Mexico, and, and Wolverine is trying to get Professor X out of there, and he winds up getting Laura out of there too, but he just cares about getting Charles out of there. Yeah. Like, to the point where he's being kind of a bad person in what he's doing with Laura and and everything... But you also understand like this is like something that he could not live with himself even more than he already can't live with himself if anything happened to Charles in this moment yeah you know and uh, that's just those little actions it's all about the actions these characters take I mean Wolverine is not a silent character in this movie by any means but I think he probably has a lot less dialogue than in other x-men movies and it's because they just allow
1: Hugh Jackman to live the character
0: and yeah. not have to like as we said monologue about anything
1: yeah one of my favorite scenes to that effect is in the sort of the middle part of the movie where they're in the with that uh one family in their house and staying there for the night and logan takes charles like up to the room and, and you kind of see the shot more or less from laura's point of view of him going up the stairs and going to where the room is down the hall and going into the room and kind of like closing the door behind him with his foot and not even thinking about the fact that laura is there and just using that to again like in an entirely visual way without any line of dialogue from any of those characters get across the sense of like right logan is not paying attention to her at all and like his focus is all on charles which is really important for where the movie then goes from that point where i feel like that's where that movie sort of takes that moment to sort of reinforce that idea because after that is obviously when charles dies and logan has to sort of accept that he's with this girl who is his daughter it is amazing how
0: much he grows as a character in this film Despite the fact that if you actually like map out the plot of this movie, there's not that many scenes. Yeah. And not that many things happen. Like big things happen, like the deaths of the two main characters. But you know, the like that this the this extended sequence at the like the farm they're on is a really big chunk of the movie. I didn't yeah. time it or anything. But, you know, and it's very intimate. It's all small moments. There is no saving the world here. There is no big threat. The worst thing that's gonna happen is I mean you know little girl's gonna die and that's terrible but it's you know it's one or two or three people it's not mass destruction
1: yeah it's not a giant sky laser destroying
0: the earth or whatever you know yeah it's not apocalypse picking up a pyramid and whatever he was doing i don't remember the end of that movie that well Um,
1: it was was not apocalypse just barfing cg onto the world and being like oh no we're going to be digital characters now
0: yeah, I mean, I mean it really does share a lot of traits with uh, with Deadpool in that regard of of not in tone or anything but just in allowing the Fox allowing these filmmakers to make movies with small stakes. Because yeah. Deadpool, all it is is he just kind of wants to punch this one dude in the face yeah. and get his girlfriend back. And it works beautifully for that film. And this movie, all it is is, like the motivation, I love that the motivation isn't even always clear in this film. It's kind of just survive for a while and then for Logan it's do right by the people i can do right by yeah and not even by myself just do as much right as i can whatever the hell that means and it is so powerful in that way like i really do want to bring it back to um the the cormac mccarthy book the road because i thought about it a lot i mean it has it's, it's got very obvious similarities in how it ends with i'm going to spoil the road for a moment but it's that's a okay 15 year old book yeah it's an old book you know, The Road ends with... The Road is a story about a father and a son in a post-apocalypse just trying... Basically, they have no goal, but they're just trying to survive. They're going, they're going to a place that they like... It's one of those stories where, like, they think there might be something good in this direction, but they don't know. Right. And the father ends up dying at the end, and then the son kind of finds a surrogate family and goes off with them. Very similar ending to this, where Logan dies he's had Laura, Laura has this kind of emotional breakdown but then kind of gets her strength back and, and goes on and you don't know what happens.
1: Goes on to the beautiful mountains of Canada.
0: The beautiful mountains of God, that the the places they get to shoot in this yeah. movie. I do think it's kind of an inverse where the lower budget your superhero movie is, the cooler places you get to shoot. It's a weird thing.
1: I mean, you know, they have to work hard if you don't have that budget to make shit look cool. You can't just like have it all be on a green screen. Yeah, and you
0: know, not, not this movie's not small budget by any means, but like smaller budget Yeah, and you know, yeah, not, none of this movie, I think, looks like it's on a soundstage. The whole no, thing yeah. is location stuff. But anyway, I'm getting distracted. But just that kind of road-to-nowhere vibe that The Road has, but on that road-to-nowhere, immense meaning comes out of it. And I think they capture that great. And what I, one thing I thought when I got out of the movie is, this is legitimately, in some ways, a better adaptation of that book than the actual movie they made out of The Road, which has a great performance from Viggo Mortensen, but not a lot else to recommend. It's, I think, a very rote... Um, adaptation of that book that does not feel properly cinematic to me and this feels properly cinematic in conveying those kinds of emotions and it's an amazing thing like i just i cannot wait to see what james mangold does next mm-hmm. i hope to hell this has bought him license to do whatever the hell he wants cuz going to make logan 2 I don't necessarily want Logan too, but, you know, I, I think he's a super talented director. If you look at a uh, Walk the Line, great movie, Johnny Cash movie, uh, 310 to Yuma, his remake yeah. of that phenomenal modern Western, and then these Wolverine movies, but that's a lot of like adaptations and stuff. I'd love to see what he can do with something like, I want him to make a modern Western. Like, I want to sure, see yeah. him do like a Western that's not a remake or a book adaptation or something, because he's got some fucking chops. <laughs> Just, you can yeah, look at like sure. any scene of this movie and it's evident anyway we're kind of all over the place but um yeah there's so many good things to talk about i mean let's talk about the violence for a minute okay sure let's
1: talk about the violence holy crap yeah the wolverine cuts people up in this movie real good yeah it's 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 one of those things that it's like it always feels absurd when you're making like a pg or pg-13 movie or like an x-men cartoon that has wolverine in it and it's like You do realize that this dude's superpower is literally that he has knives coming out of his hands. Like, he heals and he has knives coming out of his hands. You need to show him cut people up. Like, that's what this character does. He's He does not go around and, like, fucking stop petty crime by like webbing them up or like tying them up or something he's not batman who just like punches someone in the face and like calls it a day he rips people to shreds with his bare fucking hands that's what he does he's a killer
0: it's it's a weird thing where the x-men movies for the most part have had not in a bad way but in a noticeable way frequently this incongruity between how wolverine kind of views himself and how we view him yeah because he has this intense like guilt inside and It's hard to always understand that when the violence is done in a PG-13 way where it's like, yeah, you killed that dude, but there was no blood or anything. It's like, you don't seem unnecessarily violent because they can never make him unnecessarily violent. Yeah. And this movie is able to kind of close that gap. Like, the closest I think they'd come is the first 15 minutes of The Wolverine, the the Japan movie, where he's out, like, in the Canadian wilderness. Yeah. And just this one little event happens, and it shakes him, where, like, he can never get away from this stuff. But even then, that is not quite as powerful as, like, the beginning of this movie, where, like, he he has a bad day, he meets these asshole kids, and he just kind of goes off in a way where he can't even contain it. Yeah. And and that allows you to understand what this character is going through in a way these movies have never quite been able to pull off with the characterization of of Wolverine they go for.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that like, you know, they get the whole like he, you know, he has like the tortured sort of samurai soul, but like when he gets pushed, he just like you know he literally kind of just gets blinded with rage, just sees red, and then cuts people to shreds, and it's like in the old X Men movies that whole that one of the more important parts of that equation is he needs to cut people to shreds like you need to feel the sense of that violence to understand why he regrets it later and the older x-men movies just never were really able to do that and in this one it's like he cuts people's fucking arms off he stabs people in the head i mean you have that whole like you said earlier The, the scene in vegas that's one of the i agree like one of the most tense action scenes in this movie. And he just, like, goes and just fucking stabs people in the head with his claws. Like, like because they're all paralyzed by uh, Professor X's powers. And so they can kind of, like, turn and see him a little bit so they know they're going to get fucking stabbed in the head. And then he just stabs them in the head one after another just down the line. And it's... That's part of what makes that scene... Po- yeah,
0: that's what the, part of what makes that scene powerful is that it's not as graphic as some other scenes in the movie... But it's like the just the like surgical nature of it for I mean, it's not surgical in the sense that he's not being too precise. Yeah. But he knows what he has to do, which is that I just got to go in there, stab them all. I know what's going to happen, and get to Charles. And you can see the regret, like I hate having to do this again. But it's just this is what I got to do. I got these claws. I don't have any other way to, to take care of this. Yeah. You know. And yeah, it. This is this movie is such a profoundly more intelligent and mature exploration of violence than Zack Snyder could wish for in his wildest fucking Batman wet dream. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't even really need to be said at some point. But it is is worth exploring because we're in this era, and it's, it's one of the only things I worry about with a movie like Logan being out there. Sure. Is in the hands of less talented filmmakers, extra violent superhero stuff comes off as fascistic and gross, not as interesting and emotional. Yeah. And you have had Zack Snyder getting to make, they're not R-rated, but they should be R-rated superhero movies, and I'm sure that's just going to continue, and Suicide Squad was the same fucking way, even though he didn't make that one. And that stuff is, you know, really just gross, and, you know, this teenage mentality towards violence. This is a movie that is incredibly violent, and I could see if someone is turned off by it, but it is thematized, it is part of the movie, it is inherent to the movie, This is not, you know, you could not take this script and produce a PG-13 version of it. No. It just literally couldn't exist.
1: And it's just something where I think it's important to remember that the, the one of the main reasons why it works is because you have the character of Logan. Like you other superheroes like a Batman, like obviously like Superman, or like most other Marvel superheroes of like Captain America are not suited for something like this. There's only a handful of ones of like Punisher, obviously fucking kills people like wolverine kills people most superheroes don't kill people like maybe wonder woman every once in a while can stab a fucker with a sword but by and large the vast majority of superhero characters are built on a platform of their characters that were meant to be like read and enjoyed by children so they stop crime in like kind of violent but not brutally violent and certainly not murderous means wolverine is not one of those characters And, and so to do wolverine well You have to have it be r-rated because that's what the fucking character is like every good wolverine comic i've ever read has been fairly violent to a certain point it's certain like he has killed people in them like he maims people it's an important part of what his character is and what his character does but it's also important to remember that most other superhero characters are not like that at all in fact they are the exact opposite of that yeah And maybe this is getting outside the bounds of the discussion, but I just,
0: I can so easily see the world where WB looks at these numbers for Logan and says, you know that Batman movie we're making? Fuck it, let's make it an R. And I I don't worry about that too much because they finally found a director for that and it's Matt Reeves and he's a responsible filmmaker, so we'll see. But like you can it's not hard to imagine that world yeah. and it's a sad world but it's it's hollywood often learns the wrong lessons from success the lesson of this movie is not make r-rated superhero movies it's do what your movie needs to be creatively successful yeah which was also the lesson of deadpool the lesson of deadpool is not marvel should let you know chris pratt swear a bunch in guardians of the galaxy 2 yeah right that's not the lesson of deadpool because that's not the, those those movies are very they're funny yeah. but they're different kinds of superhero movies i can't wait to see the gratuitous sex scene between captain America and black widow and the next Avengers. <laughs> indeed yeah so you know and i think on the issue of violence getting back to it it's there are moments where you know it gets Really intense, but i don 't think it ever steps over the line to truly gratuitous no, and I think part of that is that, as much as Logan dishes out in this movie, he gets in return oh, yeah and it 's like the most graphic shots in the movie I feel like happened to Wolverine in a weird way, like the his first fight with x twenty four is just fucking brutal. And like the aftermath yeah. where like he's at the doctor's and you see his ribs are just open mm-hmm. like on that and stuff and and because all of that violence comes back on Wolverine and is, you know, seen in his body and in the makeup, another thing this movie does amazingly well is the makeup they do with Hugh Jackman. Um i think it earns it in a way it wouldn't if it were one-sided and it were just wolverine tearing people up that i do think could get gratuitous very fast
1: yeah that would feel like too much like a weird sort of like revenge fantasy kind of movie or something Mm -hmm. and not like you said like a more sort of appropriate exploration of violence because important part of like the idea of wolverine as a character is that like like he kills people but that's not a good thing like again it's it's the regretful samurai like it's the He is forced to kill people and he can't hold himself back and you know it's like a a zatoichi movie or something like at the end of the day he leaves the town and maybe half the people in town love him half the people in the town though hate him because he just killed their family and like he has to live with that and move on because that's the only choice he has it is weirdly even though this one is not set in japan the overall
0: totality of Logan feels like it gets samurai movies more than the Wolverine was able to because
1: of the ending the Wolverine goes for, which is very much not a samurai movie ending. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean because because obviously like it's the samurai and cowboy thing is like, closely hewn tropes, so yeah. it's like it they definitely spill over into. I mean it's one of the reasons why Wolverine has like that sort of like weird backstory of he like trained in Japan and stuff like that is yeah. because. It, it suits that sort of like lonely wandering warrior thing and and
0: but i mean james mingled has studied his japanese cinema you look yeah. at some of the like compositions in this movie and particularly how he uses some forest settings and stuff like there's a lot of kurosawa in there yeah for sure in, in the best ways but yeah um you know like the thing of violence again i think one of the most powerful moments in the movie is near the end where he realizes um the bad guys are on laura's trail And he has that serum. And it's Chekhov's serum. You know as soon as it's introduced he's going to have to like OD on that. But he takes it and there's just this resonance to it because what he's doing there is basically enabling himself to just go crazy and be violent. And he knows he has to do it in that moment. But again it's not the revenge fantasy thing. It's with the knowledge that this is bad and will probably kill him. But it's the only thing he can do in this moment to save that little girl and her friends. Yeah. And it's it's a really interesting way that is set up. And, And again... It's the actions that drive the arc of this movie, not conversations or formal exposition. And that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and it's something where, like, in those scenes, it's something like, Hugh Jackman has done so well with the performance of the character the whole time. I feel like every time he comes back to play Wolverine, he does it better and better, is when Wolverine just can't take shit anymore and he just goes nuts. And the way, like, Hugh Jackman just fucking yells and growls in those scenes and and his very, like, feral posture, it's like... It, it so perfectly captures the sensation of that character where you understand why this dude started getting called Wolverine. You know, yeah. it's it's one of the few instances where it's like, yes, that it, like it is a sort of a ridiculous name for this very serious man. But you look at that dude and it's like, yeah, that's appropriate. That that dude is not human at this point. His physicality
0: in this whole movie, it's such a physical performance. Yeah. It's, it's something he has done better and better and better with every passing X-Men movie. But, and he's always been good at it from the moment you meet him in that first X-Men back in 2000. It's, it's just part of that performance. But in this movie especially, again, because so much of it is he has to convey the illness and the age and all these things through that physicality. It's really amazing. And, and, you know, Hugh Jackman is obviously a lot older than he was when he started playing this character. He's a little older than, than people are when they typically play superheroes at this point. But he's not an old dude. He's no. he's, a, he's, yeah. a, he's, he's in the, the, the prime of his fitness and all these things. And that just makes it all the more amazing that he can really sell that this is an old Wolverine. This is... You know, the, some of the inspiration for this, obviously, is some of the different old man Logan stories. And he portrays that very, very well. And he's helped by makeup and things like that. But mostly it is his performance. Yeah, it's
1: just, like, the way he lock, walks with, like, a slight limp that sort of gets across the idea of, like, his healing factors, not what it used to be. Like, the way he can't quite read things. And you can... It's not just that, you know, Stephen Merchant has that line that keys you off to that. It's, like, it is the performance of, like, you can tell he's... You know, he's, he's not this sort of, like hypersensual or sensory creature anymore that like he can smell something from like a mile off. He can see things from a mile off. Like his his body is slowly sort of like shutting down. His powers aren't working as well as they used to. He has that like just an unbelievable scene it's such a brilliant idea of him when early on in the movie where he gets back to the the sort of hideout with the steven merchant and, and charles and stuff and he goes into his room and sits down and has to like pull his claw all the way out because it only extended half away like that is such a perfect visual image to get across the idea of like he's old he like nothing about him works anymore and again it's the same sort of philosophy of what happens when charles xavier gets old and he doesn't have full control over his mind anymore what happens to wolverine when he gets old well his claws don't pop out as smoothly as they used to and where his claws did pop out it's just like weird and pussy and scary and gross because his healing factor is not working it anymore and those areas have been so scarred over it's disgusting at this point you know like they so perfectly realize that in the makeup in the writing and in the performance or the other half of that scene where he ha
0: the way he has to like push the bullets out yeah like because this movie does such a great job playing with iconography and one of the most iconic things about Live action Wolverine is the many many scenes we've gotten over the years where he gets a bullet and he like flexes and the bullet pops out and it's like a cool moment where oh shit's about to get real you just shot the Wolverine and he's Hugh Jackman has done that scene many times and when he does it here it fucking hurts to watch. And you know, even though this movie again it does not have like all these literal continuity links to the other films, it does such a good job of playing off your memories and images of those films. Yeah. And and in in brilliant ways, where it's the iconography, not the like little niche details of those films, which there's no point in going into because it makes no sense at this point. But the iconography you absolutely can play off of, and they play off it beautifully here.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Man. Like, okay. Sorry. Yeah. What? No. Well, it's just it's something where they just. And they've done this very well for a long time, but it's something with this movie and the Wolverine, it just feels so fucking cool to have a character like so perfectly represented on screen in a way that like this feels like when I would watch the Batman cartoon or something like that. Of I'm not sure if I've ever actually seen a Wolverine comic that actually understands this character as well as some of these movies do at this point. And that's just a really awesome phenomenon as someone who like grew up reading comics and watching the X-Men cartoon and stuff with this character.
0: Absolutely, like you know we're going to talk i think at the end of this maybe about hugh jackman's legacy in this role because he's very clearly done with it (laughs) based on how it ends he's done with this in the way harrison ford is done with han solo exactly (laughs) you know but like i'm not sure maybe robert downey jr as iron man but for the most part even the best superhero performances you can look at and say the character is still bigger than the actor
1: Right? Sure, yeah. Like
0: Toby Maguire, great Spider-Man, but Spider-Man is bigger than Toby Maguire, as we've seen by the subsequent performances. You know, even like Chris Evans' as Captain America, he's phenomenal, but there will be more Captain America's one day, and I'm sure they'll be great. I'm not sure you can do another live action Wolverine. I think yeah. Hugh Jackman's performances, Wolverine, at least in the live action sphere for a long time to come, is bigger than the character in some way. Yeah. For the exact reason you're saying there, that he's I mean, the entire superhero genre as we know it, he has been there. Like, from the year 2000, when this resurgence started, to now, he has been... And he has seen the ups and the downs, and, you know, he has been part of X-Men movies that play to all the different trends of the time, up to now, where we have this new... It's not really a trend yet, but this thing happening where superhero movies are getting... And TV shows and stuff are going further and further outside the box, and this goes further outside the box than fucking anything. And I think, because it's been Hugh Jackman that whole time... I, I think it would be harder to recast him as Wolverine even than like a Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark because it's just a different kind of context for it. Yeah. You
1: know? And it's also the fact that he has played this character in so many capacities that like don't necessarily overlap. You know that it's like the continuity of X-Men movies is so bizarre at this point that it feels like, you know, the, some of the like sort of vague events of the older X-Men movies certainly may have happened in the history of Logan but like you don't, see that like side to side like you don't see like like in my mind's eye, I do not see that like in the past in Logan, fucking everyone was wearing the leather jumpsuits or whatever from the <laughs> original X-men movie. you know like that did not happen in that universe because it is like that kind of Ur x-Men movie. It's not trying to sort of deliberately be a continuation of that story and an element of that does feel like that hugh jackman is the wolverine like he can be wolverine from the future he can be wolverine from the past he can be wolverine from an alternate dimension he's just wolverine it's not like robert downey jr is tony stark in this one very specific like linear continuity that you can look at from the beginning to eventually whenever he leaves that part to the end and he will have always been contained within that continuity and you can absolutely have like a different continuity that has a different person playing tony stark and it would not probably be that much of a thing
0: yeah like, you know, I saw a really cool interview with uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart where they were just hanging out answering some internet questions. And, you know, Patrick Stewart asked at one point, you know, he was asked something about who the next Wolverine should be or something. And he kind of threw it to Hugh Jackman and, and he, would, he was so kind of nonchalant about it, which is just, of course there will be someone else. And I'm I, he's, he has totally made his peace with that. And I understand where he's coming from on that because I think he's mature enough to know that it is bigger than him. Yeah but he's the person and i think from the outside looking in i'm not so sure i'm not sure what you can do with that character if he's gone at least in the in the near future you know i I can't with a crystal ball see 10 years out when they decide to complete maybe x-men's been dormant for a while and something you know there are lots of different flavors of wolverine you can do you could finally get someone to wear the yellow suit
1: yeah but someday someday um someday to, to fuck it he's coming back for something we're getting his ass in that yellow fucking suit at some point goddammit it might have to be like an SNL skit but I'd take i i will i will take whatever i can get as long <laughs> as it is a well-made suit
0: yes anyway so yeah but getting back on track there's a character we haven't talked about in
1: depth which yeah. is Laura. yeah and uh, holy crap great character Un- like unbelievable character performance like i yeah uh- like that that performance was absolutely fucking mind-blowing to me
0: mind-blowing and i want to look up her name so i'm gonna look up her name really quick but talk about why laura is a great character
1: like like it is one it is a really really great execution on an idea i've never really been that into which is the x23 character which is basically like lady wolverine you know it's it's a girl that has wolverine's powers and here they managed to make that really interesting because she's not just like Wolverine, it's it's because she's a little girl instead of being like basically a woman, which is every version I've seen in the comics. Is she's already basically full grown by the time Wolverine meets her, and it's getting to see this girl that obviously like is Logan's biological daughter and it has a lot of similar sort of traits that he has, but she's sort of still growing up and still learning, and him having to sort of see that in her and then accept at some point that's like. I am her dad and I'm also the only other person on the planet that can understand kind of what she is going through with some of this stuff of being a person whose body is literally a weapon. And that character arc is so perfect for him and for like this father with really sort of dysfunctional father-daughter relationship they have that kind of finally blossoms by the end of the movie. It's just such a it's such a perfect idea of how to make use of that like kind of very stock boring concept for a character and, and translating it for this movie
0: it is true there are plenty of things in this movie that on paper could be really bad yeah you know it's, it's all about the execution and you know with that in mind i just looked up her name uh the girl's name is daphne Keene and what a find she's yeah. phenomenal in this you know throughout the you know she's nonverbal for most of the film and she's great. Like it's a it's a performance. It's not. She's not a prop, no, which you yeah. can easily imagine this character being in this kind of movie. And and frankly, often would be. Uh, she's not. She's a fully blown character. It's a fully blown performance. It's a great performance. And then when she does start talking. One, I love that they allow a lot of her dialogue to be in Spanish.
1: Yeah, that's it, like so much at first that you don't really know if she speaks English or not yeah. at, at first, which I was really kind of taken aback by that because yeah. I just assumed, oh, she probably, because I knew she was going to have to talk at some point in the movie, but I just assumed like, oh, she'll talk, speak English maybe with a bit of an accent and that's what they will go for. And it's yeah. like, nope, like she has long lines of like completely unsubtitled Spanish in the movie.
0: Yeah, like, and, and if I were to make any, isn't it on a complaint, but something I would have liked to see more of, she often has to speak English to Wolverine I almost wish he just started speaking Spanish because I can buy that Logan would have learned some Spanish on the border maybe and go the other way but I mean it is not a problem but like it's just cool that she just gets to speak Spanish that's a that's a little thing but a big thing and yeah her performance is great and good god by the time you get to that last scene it's hard in one movie like this to one out of nine Wolverine movies or however many he's been in now to... End with this little girl calling him daddy and crying over his dead body. That could go south so easily if yeah. you didn't do it right, but it works. And it's it's you know, half it's about the actual relationship they shared, and half it's because in some ways they didn't get to fulfill their arc because he didn't get to go and live and be her dad. Yeah. And she's crying for something that was lost, but was maybe possible at some point, and all of that just works so powerfully. And yeah, just thematically the way they do this, it's not a dumb gimmick. She's not a clone of him or anything. She's a little girl who's thrust into a situation that he recognizes. And part of why he's standoffish to her is he doesn't want to look in that mirror you know, and think the things that happened to me could happen to her. And his death means something in this movie and means more than just we're killing the character off. Because he gets to impart whatever wisdom he has that hopefully she will have a better life than he did. Yeah, And maybe she can. That's what makes... If there's any glimmer of hope, it's that, you know, he gets to say those words to her. And this is the moment where the movie broke me a little bit of, don't be what they made you. You know? And and that's something he basically... That's one of the most specific callbacks to an old X-Men movie. Because that's something, you know, Xavier has said to him yeah. at some point. But it it just works beautifully because he died for that. You know? To say, maybe this next generation... Can live a, a happier life than we did.
1: Yeah, like like he manages to give her like this hope for a life that he could never have because he didn't have someone like Logan for him when he was a kid. You know, yeah. like like his yeah. life was shit from the beginning. Even if like, because I've actually I've never seen the fucking X Men Origins Wolverine movie because I know it's terrible. I don't have any interest in seeing it. You, Sean, if yeah. you've seen X Two, you've seen all the plot in the Origins. Okay, World okay, of the movie.
0: that's good to go. because
1: yeah, because it is like even though the movies. sort of some of the movies go more into it than others the movies have never like sort of tried to fully cover his past because you know like you don't want to know everything about what wolverine's past was like but but everyone has the general idea of like yeah he had a fucking shitty life and he's like one hundred fifty or something years old at this point, and he has like lived through wars. He's killed so many people, and he's never had, up until when he starts to sort of like join the X Men. He's never had real family. He's just been sort of like manipulated and abused by people his whole life, and that have turned him into a weapon and used him as a soldier, and like literally turned him into weapon the Weapon X program. And that's the life he had until he was like you know older than like you know any other living person on the planet, probably and so he never had that chance and there's something about him sort of like realizing he has this opportunity to change this girl's life because she is like him in so many ways and he has this sort of ability to do this for her in a way that nobody could for him and that yeah. it is a like really it is a really powerful moment even if you obviously see it coming that of course in the third act of the movie he's going to go like save them like of course he's going to be like become a superhero or an x-man again or whatever but it's a really powerful moment because you see how hard it is here for him to try to be the superhero again but how sort of powerful that redemption is when he finally just decides like fuck it i'm going to save these kids yeah and and fully knowing
0: that it probably means his death yeah you know like and i think the audience fully knowing that barring a really dumb last moment twist there's no way he gets out of that alive yeah there's just he's too broken like there's no even when he like takes the serum and gets really powerful again there's no moment where he is magically healed and like stops coughing and stops looking old they don't do they don't take off the makeup you know the the only young Hugh Jackman you see in this is the x-24 thing that has some cgi on it yeah which I love that they don't overdo that
1: yeah no yeah (laughs) like he's only in like quick shots you never get to linger on it for too long it never looks too
0: weird no yeah because it, it mostly looks practical, but there is clearly some CGI going yeah. on there too. So, yeah, I, you know, there's so much smart th- uh, themes, thematic stuff and symbolism in this. Two pieces I just wanted to go with is, I love that the, the specific explanation for his illness is that the adamantium is poisoning him. Yeah. Just, it's it's poetic, there's there's nothing more to it, and it works very well for what this movie is going for. That, you know, these this thing that sort of has defined him for so long also is what's going to kill him. And it's... Yeah it just adds to the tragedy of his life
1: yeah and it's like it's the thing that's symbolic of the weapon x stuff and and it is one of those things that the x2 did so well is having those like really brutal kind of like weird hazy flashbacks of him like you know getting the having the surgery done to him and like how painful that obviously was and then this movie calls back to that by you seeing the video on the cell phone of her uh getting the adamantium grafted to her skeleton
0: yeah, and then the other thing is, um, I really do like the last shot of her turning the cross. Yeah, me too. It's another thing that in a different movie, worse worst execution, I'd have rolled my eyes. But I think it works beautifully here, especially because they've pretty firmly established that he's the last X-Men. Yeah. Like, that's it for these, and that's part of why... It feels like your childhood is dying, but also like I don't know how they make another movie after this because they're fucking dead. And even if this is, you consider this is kind of on its own island, you still saw it, and it's yeah. like it is symbolically that this generation is done, and it's been passed to those kids uh, who are mutants, but in a very different way. Yeah. You know, and it's such a—it's just the movie doesn't pull any punches. There's, you know, you would half expect that a movie with the premise of mutants kind of being gone—it's very Children of Men-esque in that way another kind of post-apocalyptic thing I think it borrows from, you would, you would kind of expect that at some point they would find, like, here's the cure for mutants, right, yeah. you know? And Laura, I'm going to give this to you, and you're going to make more mutants. That's not the ending of this movie. No, There's yeah. no redemption in that way. There is in a more, like, spiritual passing the torch way, but there's no salvation for these characters. And it's amazing that, I mean, forget superhero movies. Major studio movies don't go there. They yeah. just don't, you know. Tra- Transformers Five is not gonna, or whatever we're on is not gonna have like Optimus I think it is Five. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Optimus Prime has died before. It's not gonna go to that kind of place where it's like Transformers are really gone. Yeah, you know, like that's just not a thing. These these kinds of movies do.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's it's such a powerful ending, partially because of there's the something we haven't touched on too much yet is like the kind of the political background of this movie and how sort of like it is such a perfect movie. For this moment is. of... I mean the villain in this movie is the American government. And how you... And the like the moment of sort of triumph at the end of this movie. Of like the hero's quest succeeding. Is that all these Mexican children flee the northern American border into Canada. It's like they get the fuck out of America. And go to Canada. Because that's where they are going to be safe. Because the American government is maybe not working in the people's best interests in this movie
0: for for a film that was you know probably made and scripted you know a year two years ago yeah weirdly prescient not that those things weren't in the ether but to the level that they are this movie as you say feels very of the moment
1: yeah of just like the whole because it's just something where you know you watch this movie and then you go home and you see some fucking story about a bunch of like border agents going and and like separating or like Donald Trump saying, Oh, let's like separate the the women and the children and like separate these children from their mothers when they're like trying to get over here. It's like, okay, yeah, no, like that's, that is something that that asshole dude with the robot hand would do in this movie, right? Like that's, that's, that's the kind of attitude they have. That's the way they operate. And it's like, and it's, I think it's no sort of coincidence. And it's also really amazing that one of the main if like not maybe like kind of the most main character of the movie is actually like a 10 year old mexican girl you know it's it's a story as much about her as it is about the like hugh jackman you know the big australian dude with an american like pretend accent i mean if if he's in a scene she's probably in that scene too exactly she's
0: in a lot of this movie yeah
1: so it, it, it it feels again like it feels like it is so of this political moment in a way that it was kind of really shocking to me because i just didn't expect it you know because you don't necessarily read immediately i think from the trailers that's like oh yeah no she's like a little latina girl like it's like she could be anyone because again she doesn't speak in the trailers and she barely speaks in the movie so it's like that moment of where you start realizing that in this movie to me was like oh holy shit like that's what this movie is about like this movie is literally about them going from like the mexican border of america all the way up to the canadian border like that is the the road trip they make in the movie yes and uh... And it's it's part of the film's
0: intelligence and in its genre appropriation. Yeah. In that it's it appropriates things like the western, but not just for empty like visual value. It it is a western, but also like the places it exists in. He's not just in Mexico at the beginning, so you have those vistas. Yeah. That's part of it. But then they thematize that in the ways you're saying. They don't just go to the northern border of Canada because that's a cool place to have an action sequence with Wolverine. Or the, the southern border of Canada, northern border of the yeah. U.S. because it's a cool place to have an action scene. It's because that is thematized in the story they're telling. It's these western locations. It's these powerful aesthetic vistas and everything. But there is also you know deep underlying thematic foundations to all of that and you know you wouldn't normally if that stuff wasn't there you wouldn't even bat an eyelash at it because pastiche often operates in those ways but this is a genre pastiche that is very intelligent about what what it's riffing on
1: yeah i mean it, it is no coincidence again that like the only places where you kind of feel safe in this movie or, like, when you're not in America. It's, like, when you're... Or you're, like, right about to get out of America. Because it's, you know, the whole base that Logan has with... that Where he has Stephen Merchant and Professor X sort of, like, hold away is in Mexico. It's, like, right on the other side of the border because that's where he's, like, okay, they might be safe here. And it takes the American authorities or whatever uh, joining forces with the Mexican government to, like, yeah. do the raid on their place. Like, it, it, it's... And, and that, yeah.
0: you know, like... Another thing that is just very politically telling in this movie is that kind of the heart of the movie emotionally is that extended sequence on the farm with the black farming family and that it is this kind of slice of Americana they get to be in. And yet, from the moment they get there, you know it's going to end poorly. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you know it's going to end with them, like, X-24, like, slashing the family up, because that goes a little far. Yeah. But you know it's going to end poorly in some way, and it ends as poorly as it could. And again, that is very symbolic. They're in the middle of farm country, they think they're safe, and there is no such thing in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, this is this is a road movie and a western and all these things that I think we think are are very standard and in some cases in modern Hollywood kind of empty. And it's not. It's really politically and thematically intelligent about the things it's working with. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just what a great fucking movie. Mm-hmm. The other thing I need to mention from like a, a just a technical standpoint is, I mean, the cinematography is amazing. Yeah, you, you can't not mention that. The score by Marco Beltrami, fantastic. That yeah. it's it's a really great score in that it, it also has to traffic in some of the, the Western stuff and those things. But it's its own thing and there's just moments where I, I didn't even realize how good and well integrated the score was because we've sadly gotten to a place where I think a lot of scores in superhero movies are just kind of filler. They're there to be yeah, there. Yeah, they just
1: feel really generic most of the time. This maybe. did
0: not feel. I think yeah. I think Marco Beltrami, who's a really talented composer, um, did really, really good work here. Yeah. So it's a it The definitely... one
1: thing the movie could have used is that when she takes the cross and she turns it into an X, it should have done the... from the cartoon. Obviously, that theme has never been in the movies in any way. It's a totally different thing. But that would have been fucking rad if that had to happen. Just like... Just, just quietly on the wind. Like, not even like in your face. It's just like... She turns across... Oh my god, I... If
0: there is not already a thing of that on YouTube, from, yeah. like a pirated copy of this movie, I would be surprised. Someone has to do that. Like, she turns it, they walk away, and then it just comes in full force.
1: Yeah. Or or that's like the opening of someone's sick X-Men movie AMV, you know? It's just, they they just and then it goes into just like clips from all the different movies or really hastily edited together.
0: Can you imagine if like, instead of going into the credits with Johnny Cash, they had done that? Yeah. Like it's silent, it cuts to black, and then... Yeah, that would
1: have been so fucking good. It would have been completely out of place. Or, fuck it, it's just the music from the X-Men 2 Sega Genesis game. Yes. It's like just the whole like Sega Genesis sound chip and everything. I would have... I would have been clapping at the end of that movie. The X-Men movies actually tend to have some pretty good
0: music, but the X-Men games and animated show have some really good yeah, music.
1: Yeah, some real fucking catchy music. In those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about this in a more holistic sense. Okay. Great movie. Um, I want to talk about kind of where this leaves X-Men, where this kind of ranks with other superhero movies, and what yeah. we think of Hugh Jackman and, and Patrick Stewart. We should note this is also... Very probably Patrick Stewart's last time doing this. He said that before. And and he thought his last time was going to be Days of Future Past. Obviously they didn't know they were going to have this opportunity. Um, I don't see another opportunity arising for these two again. But, you know, I I think... I want to start with kind of that question of where do the X-Men movies go next. Because they've been in a weird place where the last couple of movies... Some of them have been really good. You know, Deadpool's great. This is great. I think Days of Future Past is as good a version of, like, that kind of mode of X-Men movie that they've been trying to make for a long time as you can probably get. Yeah. But Apocalypse showed there are clearly limitations to that. And other than possibly... I mean, there's Deadpool 2, and other than the new Mutants movie they've been kind of trying to get made for a while, it's not clear what Fox has on the calendar going forward. And I think some of it's probably just wait and see, like, what do Deadpool and Logan do at at the box office as these heavy R-rated movies? I mean, Deadpool is heavily R-rated, but it's not a heavy movie, whereas Logan is both heavily R-rated and a heavy movie. Yes. Um, So, you know, what... I mean, if you were Fox, what would you say is the next thing you have to do with X-Men, other than, like, Deadpool can continue on its own path?
1: Well, obviously, you, you make the hard R Cyclops movie, where he's just blowing people's heads off with his optic beams. That's where I would go um i would t- try to get jennifer lawrence back and do the hard mysterio- uh, the mystique movie um, i said the hard R mysterio movie i would also see a hard R mysterio movie that'd be very different i mean they're also talking about at some point doing a gambit movie with channing tatum that's the never, gonna happen. It's never gonna happen if, if if they haven't made like turned gambit into a thing by now they're never gonna fucking make it happen
0: He's only been in one of them. He was in the X-Men Origins. Movie.
1: Yeah, it was a really unfortunate thing they did with
0: that. I mean, but you know, like not they,
1: everything can oh, be Deadpool.
0: Well, yeah, and I'm saying like they got Deadpool back. I don't know unless there's unless there is someone like Ryan Reynolds who wants to do Gambit like that, I'm just not sure it'll happen. Yeah, you know. I mean, this is the tough thing with X-Men is the best X-Men movies pretty much unequivocally are not the ensemble movies. Mm-hmm. They are yeah. the solo movies in different ways. You know, the, the Wolverine Logan and Deadpool are the best ones right yeah and the ensemble movies I think X2 and Days of Future Past come close to greatness in different ways but there are inherent limitations I think you could do a great ensemble X-Men movie
1: oh yeah it's absolutely possible because there are plenty of great ensemble movies that exist sure and
0: and like you know in superhero terms I think you know you have like the Avengers as evidence but frankly I think you need someone with a vision like a Joss Whedon. And I don't think he probably ever I'm not saying that it has to be specifically Joss Whedon, although that dude has literally written X Men. Yeah, so. he's
1: written some of my favorite X Men comics, so. so he'd know what
0: to do with it. Yeah. Although I don't think he ever wants to, to make a big movie again. I think he's probably hiding in the woods somewhere. Yeah. After Age of Ultron. He's
1: probably like trying to destroy all color cameras. It's like everything just black yeah. and white, simple, like everything is just a black and white Shakespeare film in my backyard. It's it works so perfectly. Yes. Amy Acker is going to live in yeah. my house and we star in quirky all, movies. Yeah, no, all of my friends are just going to live in my house, and we're going to make the black and white, quirky Shakespeare comedies in my backyard. And Nathan Fillion is going to sleep right next to me because he's my friend. <laughs> that would not. That would not be a bad career path.
0: For no, Mr. that Green. would
1: be. That would be the best career path indeed he's Uh, going to make a fucking like firefly the reboot but it's all just going to be shakespearean dialogue is it going to be like Macbeth or something that'd be so great if he trolled the whole like
0: firefly fan base by getting the nine well one of them's dead sadly but the other surviving firefly cast members and doing a shakespeare movie but with no reference to firefly it's just the actors yeah that'd be really great (laughs) no but i mean i think my thought when i got out of the movie is fox either needs to retire x-men for a while and reboot it down the line. Or... I actually don't know what the other response is. Yeah. I, I look... Like, I think the New Mutants thing... I've heard some things about that. That sounds like it could be fun of trying to do, like... Just focus on some, like, kid mutants and do a more family-friendly kind of thing. Sure. And I know they've got... I forget the guy's name who's attached to that. But I, I know it's... He's a smart guy who's wanted to do that for a while. And they've got a good, like, comics basis to, to base that on. But I just don't... like Because I... I don't need them to take, like, the Jean Grey they did in Apocalypse and rehash the whole fucking Phoenix saga. Yeah, God,
1: I really don't want them to do that.
0: I I just, I think Fox, even, you know, they've had success lately with X-Men, but Apocalypse was the least successful of, like, the last five X-Men movies. So I think they hit a wall with that. Yeah. And I'm just not sure where you go next. You know, clearly, hopefully, they they don't try to get Jennifer Lawrence back for anything, because she doesn't want to do any of this. No. I think James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender looked a little bored last time too. So it's just I think they're at a weird crossroads, and I think it's maybe time again, other than like Deadpool, which can be its own thing, yeah, to to take a step back and retire at least certain parts of this.
1: Yeah, like for me, I think that you have like the two paths of like either you you know obviously like Deadpool will be a thing for as long as that franchise can be successful, and then maybe you can also be like okay we we can take some other x-men characters and do a like you know small like maybe two or three x-men characters in one movie and stuff like that and then kind of try to do the more focused on single characters or you wait a little bit and like i think there is a cool idea of having like a let's just like basically reboot x-men and go with something that is more comic booky that is more in that mold that is, that feels more like what i said in our deadpool review episode which is i kind of really want an X-Men movie that's all about like uh the teenage like, like nega bomb care whatever her name is uh, her in Negasonic Coloss- Teenage Warhead. Yes. Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Thank you very much. Her and Colossus and like maybe Cyclops and Jean Grey or something all just hanging out at the mansion doing stupid shit and then maybe they get called out on like a smaller sort of job that the X-Men do like that is an x movie i would be interested in i don't know if fox is interested or capable of making that kind of movie but that's like if you want to have x-men as like a th- brand be a big thing and not just be individual characters from the x-men universe be a thing that's how i would want them to do it
0: i think they should take a couple years i think they should find a young director who is hungry to do this yeah make a movie like call it the astonishing x-men yeah and just start over and doesn't have to tell any story they've already told.
1: Doesn't even have to have Wolverine in it. Maybe leave. I him mean, because I think that's also the only way you can get away with making an X Men movie that does not have a Wolverine character in it. Because it's like, yeah. I think it would be hard to recast him. And it, but if you have a totally fresh, like younger cast, you don't need to have a Wolverine necessarily in there as long as you build it from the ground up to support. Yeah that yeah. do cyclops right yes do gene gray right some of these main characters get people like
0: we have a great colossus out there
1: yeah get exactly. that dude into yeah. something
0: bring negasonic teenage warhead back because she was great yeah even though she's really obscure but like you know just yeah yeah i think you could put something together very much in that marvel mold and have fun with it and yeah. that's all they need to do you know fox has very clearly shown that they are willing to take risks with this series and at this point what we're describing would kind of be a risk but it would be the right risk yeah because it, it, it,
1: it, it is also something that where unlike fantastic four i kind of don't want marvel to get x-men back because i think like that's just so much that's that's so much to like think of like marvel putting x-men into their cinematic universe and stuff especially because x-men in the comics has always kind of been a kind of a, sort of a different thing than the rest of the marvel universe that there's something cool to me about the idea of like them just kind of being off and doing their own thing because it's just opens up so much crazy shit when you like have to have mutants be a thing also that i like the idea of of fox holding on to that and not giving it away to marvel i just hope that they can find a something interesting to do with it that is not x-men apocalypse 2 because i have no interest in seeing that like i really did not like x-men apocalypse at all
0: they also just the kind of i don't want to harp on the continuity too much but they've really there's just no way to do another like james mcavoy one where that makes any amount of
1: sense yeah right because, because, because already... the next time you do the time jump you'd be at fucking 2000 yes, right so you'd be back much. at x-men one it's like that would fucking just destroy my brain at some point
0: it it would be very weird and yeah so anyway that's that uh logan in its place in the canon I think this is up there with like the genre's
1: best. I think this sure, is yeah. Spider-Man
0: 2, Dark Knight, Avengers, Civil War. This is in that top
1: five to me. Yeah, yeah, I, like, it's definitely the best X-Men movie.
0: Yeah, it's it's just it's one of the best movies to come out of this genre. Like yeah. whatever flavor or, or style you want, it's it's up there. Uh, and then yeah, I mean, uh, we we talked a lot about Patrick Stewart. He's so great. He's such a wonderful human being. Uh, but Mister Hugh Jackman holy crap pour one out for, for that yeah, performance our, our because friend. 17 years playing this character i think nine is the count of movies he's
1: appeared in because he's been in like every single x-men movie right like even I if think, like in a small cameo i think the only one he doesn't appear in at all is deadpool i think i
0: think that's the only sure, one sure yeah yeah he's I, not in I, that one. I have to i yeah because he's in all three of the young x-men movies he's a main character in days of future past He has that great cameo in First Class. Brilliant cameo. And he has that terrible cameo in Apocalypse. Yes, that one is not Um, quite as good. And then, of course, he's in the original three. He's had three movies of his own now. So, yeah, I think the only one is Deadpool. Although you do... Ryan Reynolds wears the mask at one point, which is 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 a good joke. But other than that, you do not. He is not physically on set for that movie. So, yeah, he's been in almost every single one of them. Uh, Just what an incredible run. Yeah. Like, when you talk about, you know, what is the high-water mark... For an actor playing a comic book character. It's... Hugh Jackman is... At least one of the two or three best answers. Absolutely. Yeah. It's him. It's like Christopher Reeve, Superman. Robert Denny Jr., Iron Man. That's that's kind of the short list. And, so, and there's plenty of other great ones. I'm just thinking of like... Just fully embodying... In a major cultural sense that character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like like I said earlier... It, it, he does... Him and like... His portrayal in like... These last couple of Wolverine movies... Do that character... Like as best as I've seen that character done in like anything I've seen, and that that's a really rare accomplishment, you know. And it, it is something where like when you think of Wolverine for me, like he is right there. Like like he, like his face and like more traditional Wolverine comic book face like are like kind of the same thing to me at this point. Absolutely, he's he's slightly too tall for it still, but that's the only thing. He was just always slightly too. St- tall not quite Canadian enough but sadly no way you can fix that yes, yeah <laughs> you can make he made act. it work
0: yes he made it work absolutely so yeah i just i don't know if there's more to say but end of an era in a lot of ways yeah dude's been around forever i love that in these 17 years he has managed to have such an interesting and varied career outside of wolverine because you know, you look at some other actors, and I'm not trying to demean them, but like Robert Downey Jr. has not done a lot outside of Iron Man, and that's yeah. fine. But, you know, you think of him in this period primarily as Iron Man. While Hugh Jackman has been Wolverine, he's done a lot of other cool stuff. He's hosted the Tonys, he's hosted the Oscars, he's been in all these great other movies. You know, it's it's and I love that about that guy that he's managed to kind of keep that career going and not just be completely
1: typecast. Yeah, and the, it, it, I also really respect that he has always respected, like, the character and the material and stuff. Even when it maybe has not been at its best, like, it, it's always felt like he's given it his all. And he's always had, like, the utmost respect for this character and its fans. Which is really important because sometimes you'd... Like, not so much now because fucking comic book movies are so huge nowadays. But you definitely got that sense sometimes where it's, like, the people working on the movies just didn't, didn't get the character. Didn't care about the character enough and just, like... Uh, like, like, that was always really disappointing. Every Fantastic Four movie ever. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's just, like, it's always just... That stuff can be a huge bummer, and it's always felt like whenever you yeah. see him in interviews and stuff, he's always got the greatest respect for it. Oh, oh
0: X-Men Origins is one of the worst movies I've ever paid to see. He is great in it. There's, yeah. there's like, no ambiguity in that. He is great in that movie. There's a shot where he, like, lights up a cigar as a thing explodes behind him, and it's a good shot because he makes it, damn it. Yeah, yeah. So... That's it. Um, the Great performance, great run, and what a hell of a movie to go out on. Also, I still love and respect that this movie is just called Logan. Great title, in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. It's, I don't know, for whatever reason, the simplicity of it, I think is wonderful.
1: And it's just so appropriate for this movie, because it is... It's Especially when you compare it to the Wolverine, like, this is the... like it's That's all stripped away. He's just a dude whose name is James Hallett, but everyone knows him as Logan, so... He's fucking Logan. Yeah.
0: He he is
1: Hugh Jackman is fucking Logan. Yes. Still a bit too tall for it though.